On today's show, the Cleveland Cavaliers took care of business in an emphatic way against LA Clippers on Sunday. We'll talk about that game. We'll talk about Jetty Osmond's performance and look back at Cavs Thunder from a couple days ago on a new episode of Locked on Cavs. You are Locked on Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. All right, the music you heard on the way in is from our friends at Astro Radio. Check them out on Apple Music or Spotify. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepix.com, and that promo code is locked on. I'm Chris Manning covering the Cavs and the NBA for places like Through the Sword, Diamond Up Rocks, and the newly launched Just Basketball podcast. That man over there is Evan Damerell. He is the proprietor of Write It Down Euclid for all your Cleveland sports needs. Today's show, segment one, big takeaway for Cavs Clippers. Segment two, our Cavs Clippers Game Awards. And segment three, we're going to dive into Oklahoma City, the loss from last week on Friday, and also touch on what we're looking forward to this week. But Evan, let's start with Cavs Clippers. An absolute dominating win for the Cavs. Jetty Osmond's the only Cavs player to get above 20 points. He ties his career high with 29. Evan, this felt like the Rockets game, which was a dominant Cavs win, dialed up to like 15 in terms of just a cruising easy win. They led by 40 at one point in this game. A very easy, nice, easy, probably needed easy win for the Cavs. Oh, absolutely. Especially after a bitter pill like that Thunder's loss. They're thick down their loss the other night. And just tongue-in-cheek, uh, maybe the Cavs should make every night Turkish Heritage Night because Jetty Osmond was just absolutely unstoppable. He didn't miss from three-point range whatsoever. Um, I think it's just fun to watch the Cavs, at least at least the star players, because you see Donovan Mitchell play just a hair above 20 minutes. Darius Garland like it's 22. Akora less than 20. Mobley leads all the starters at 27. But like this is a golden opportunity to rest those star guys and then also celebrate the success of a role player or a guy like Jetty Osmond who just doesn't get a lot of minutes off the bench, but he's like, he's clearly cooking tonight. Like he was seven to seven from three point range in this game and was just the hugest and the most impactful player just wire to wire for the Cavs. And like, like you said, this was a dominant game. This is very reminiscent of that Houston win a couple days ago for Cleveland. And I think more than anything, it's a good palate cleanser for Cleveland after just how rough that Thunder game was because they were up 78 to 71 and then just kind of choked in spectacular fashion. So we'll see. We'll see how the rest of this week goes for Cleveland, but this is kind of a good tone setter before you host Miami on Tuesday, then Memphis on Thursday, then head back out on the road. Yeah, we'll get into those games. And and I kind of think this is a pretty manageable two for all things considered. But I want to talk about Jetty Osmond because I think he deserves his his flowers a little bit. I think we'll Mm -hmm. probably discuss him more in segment two, but Frankly, this is one of those games where there's not a ton of meat on the bone per se, right? Like there's not a ton that we can look at and be like, okay, like I'm going to think about this in X, Y, and Z schematically or or whatever it is. Like there's just not a lot from this game because it was so uncompetitive. Um, I like I, I openly wondered to you, Evan, during the game, like leading the glass, you know, they factor out garbage time. I was wondering like when you start garbage time counting in this game because it was so out of control. But I look at Jetty. And I look at what he did in this game, and I look at just how he plays. 
I think Jetty Osmond is sort of like a necessary thing for the Cleveland Cavaliers, just in in the way that he he fits really well with what you get from Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that will bomb threes. That is a little chaotic. Obviously, there's some defensive limitations and things, and and I think that's where you know he there's nights where he plays two three minutes or whatever. But Jetty is this guy who is just a willing shooter, a capable shooter, on ball, off ball, particularly just will take the the spot up threes that come his way. The Cavs need that stretch. They kind of just need what he provides. And when you have guys like Mitchell and Garland that create so much, and a guy like Mitchell that thrives on you know attacking and kicking out and all that stuff. Osmond just feels like kind of like a necessary component. I don't know if maybe I'm hyping up this game a little bit too much, but he it clicked for me a little bit with this one. I think I just held up a little bit. I think it's just because there's the chaotic aspect and the fact that Jetty's just not like a plus defender that is not going to get him consistent minutes in this rotation for Cleveland because the, there's nights he's hot like this one or there's nights in the past where he's just absolutely clicking from three-point range and like he's giving you exactly what you need because the Cavs are a team that desperately needs just some type of shooting from the wing. It's just the problem is if Jetty doesn't have it one night, J.B. Vickers has very quick to pull the hook to kind of not let uh, the Cavs find out whether or not Jetty can shoot himself out of this slump because there's other guys on this roster they'd rather turn to, but if just looking from the lens of just like the starter aspect and the rotation guys in general, like Osmond wasn't the first guy off the bench. It was Ricky Rubio and Dean Wade. And then it was um, Karis Levert. And then those three were kind of like your main rotation guys. And then you had Osmond come in as like that ninth man for you. And then you just see everybody else play once the game just gets blown completely wide open in the third quarter. But if you're just looking at it through the lens of the starters, I mean, the Cavs are starting to figure out what does and doesn't work for them rotation wise. I think it's interesting. JV Vickerstaff did talk about how like he hopes that we see like a fully 100% Ricky Rubio this season. And I think that's all you can say, but at the same time, it is interesting to know just like a guy like Jetty Osmond has that propensity to go off um, some nights like this. And he's by and far, I mean, like I'll just spoil the second segment a little bit. Like he's my MVP for this game just Mm -hmm. because, Every now and then, like he'll just have a game like this. Where you're like, man, if only JD could be more consistent like this. Because just to go back to a locked on Cavs phrase I use quite often, he's a peak and valley player. Like right now, he's hitting a peak, but there's going to be a point where he hits a lull and he's kind of just like bottoming out on defense or just not getting his shot to fall. And the Cavs just unfortunately can't reliably get anything from that. But I think just more than anything, like as folks kind of focus in on the trade deadline, we're cratering or creeping rather towards um being about a week away from the trade deadline i think people are going to be cognizant of the Cavs just getting three and d upgrades maybe holding on to jetty osmond could be a good idea if you're able to control that chaos a little bit and maybe squeeze more some consistent shooting and i don't know we'll, we'll see what happens clearly but this game at least is like a strong argument to say like yeah give jetty osmond more minutes it's just unfortunately there's a almost full 50 games worth where i can point out other games as well where it's not as consistent but yeah, it was a good night. I'm not going to poo-poo it entirely. Like like you said, we don't give him his flowers that often. And tonight's a rare opportunity where we really get to get them to him. I mean, and I think even beyond like kind of like thinking about him in terms of like deadline, like I this is a guy that like it, like I think you should guarantee his contract for next season. You should keep him around on your team when he like he has this last year non guaranteed in his deal. I don't see a reason unless like unless like for what unless there's just some weird thing we don't know about or like that changes or he gets hurt. Like that's that's a guy whose contract I think is like a pretty affordable rate for for an NBA quality wing that you have on your books for I next agree. year, and that's that's advantage. And I think even beyond that, like 
This Me is too. a guy that if, if you extended him for a year or two after that, I, I don't think that's unreasonable. Like this is just a guy that fits kind of what you need from your wings in that one specific way. Under look, the limitations are all there, but he just does things that are very helpful in this modern in this version of the NBA and with the players you have. I, I get again, I get the limitations. We've discussed them a lot. He's it's it's funny how he's become what he is after like his rookie year. He was Ty Lue's like defensive energy guy. But yeah. this is this is a guy that will shoot threes and give you something you need. And I he just has like he provides value. And maybe that's not like playoff value. Or maybe like I could see him getting kind of like X'd out of the rotation in certain series. But right now, this guy provides you something you need. And I I, I think sometimes it, he gets kind of lost. The shuffle as role players do. But this is this is a very useful player. Yeah, I agree with that. And more than that, he's also a good culture guy. Like you could. Like to go back to my original point, like you see guys like Darius and Donovan and even Jarrett and Evan just hardly play down the second throughout the second half. But like Osmond just kept it going. Like you see these guys getting hyped up and excited for him. And like Osmond says, like, listen, I know there's going to be some nights on a DMP coach's decisions going to be some nights they need me to go out there and play 20 minutes and provide some rebounding and energy, maybe some three point shooting as well. Like he's aware of what his role is and that he's not really going to get a consistent carved out role in this rotation. So I think just seeing the fact that the, this team generally wants to see everybody else succeed and they're like just kind of zeroing in on like this happy-go-lucky culture guy because Jetty's just always overwhelmingly friendly is the impression I get from his teammates or like he's just kind of always positive and in the moment kind of situation. So it's just fun. Like you think about like that Donovan Mitchell Instagram quote where Jetty posts about his wife on Instagram and Donovan's like, I love you too, Jetty. Just like. A little, a little, a little trolling, of course, is always fun. But like these guys like each other, it's fun to celebrate your brothers like that, especially when it's a guy who maybe doesn't get a consistent role. And like you said, yeah, maybe this should give you a little bit more of a leash if you're Jetty Osmond, and like maybe get more minutes and maybe like play through some of the mistakes, and errors, and issues you might be having. But we'll see. Maybe he continues this momentum, and it just makes a more compelling argument for him. But this is at least a right step in the right direction to. At least carving out minutes in this rotation on a consistent basis if you're Osmond at the end of the Yes. All right. Let's go into break. We'll come back. We'll talk more about Jetty Osmond and giving out our Cavs Clippers Game Awards. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Look, play. All you got to do with Prize Picks is pick two to five players. They If they score more or less than their entries and their prize projections, you can win. You can win up to 10 times your money in any entry to no competing against other, other people. It's just you versus those projections that are available. Prize picks offers projections on any sport you watch. This includes NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more. That's like, I, I got up to a lot of fingers counting there. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals. They're currently operational in over 30 states in Canada. Download the PricePix app or go to pricepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit 100, PricePix will give you 100. If you deposit 50, they will give you 50. Don't forget to enter that promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, back here, Locked On Cast Podcast. Chris Manning and Evan Damerill here with you. Evan, our MVPs are the same. They are Jetty Osmond. Mm-hmm. 
uh, we should just run through his full stat line. 29 points, a tie is a career high, missed a layup late in this game that would have got him to 31. Karis Lever went out of his way to set him up for this, and he missed it. Tough look for Jetty. Uh, but again, 29 points is very good. 7-7 seven seven from 3. That's a new career high in three-pointers made for Jetty. Uh, something. 11-13 from the field, two assists, two rebounds, two steals, one block shot. Uh, weirdly, he's a minus eight, which is just like single game plus minus is silly, and we should ignore it a lot of times. But really good, really good 21 minutes for Jetty. And, the, and, and again, the only Cavalier to get above 20 points. What a weird game. Just what a weird game this was. It was it was just, yeah, an odd game. Um, I have a story about Jetty coming out for right down Euclid, and I'd asked the cast for certain access, and then it just turns out like Jetty has the game of his life, and um, he ends up being at the podium, so it just wasn't necessary at the end of the day. But just a weird game, and just like, I think if you walked into this one thinking like, okay, it's the Clippers, there's no Paul George, there's no Kawhi Leonard in this one. Who's going to be the one that goes off? You would assume it's, oh, Donovan Mitchell, maybe, who's kind of still dealing with that groin injury. Maybe Darius Garland, who they have to lean on more because Mitchell isn't 100%. Maybe it's Allen or Mobley, which, funnily enough, like the matchup of the night, quote unquote, for the Cavs was Jared Allen versus Ivica Zubac. And uh, Allen more than outplayed Zubac and kind of shut him down defensively at times. So uh-huh. it was just a, it was just a, really dominant game across the board for the Cavs. And again, just like one of those weird things, everything just clicked in place. And the guy who happened to just pretty much push them over the edge was Jetty Osmond. And again, we don't talk about that much on this show, so we'll take as much advantage of it as we can and just give him his praise. But he was sensational by and far the MVP and the most impactful player for Cleveland on the floor tonight. Let's go to our plays of the night. Evan, um, the same one. Okay. So (laughs) good. We're we're just like very high of mind for this episode. Th- th- but thoughts Jerry, and prayers with uh, Moses Brown's house and dynasty after this play. Um, my goodness, did Jared Allen absolutely freaking destroy Moses Brown? Just like absolutely crushed him with a dunk that was like mm-hmm. he gets the ball, gathers, and just absolutely like oh, like it's going to be like a pedestrian, just kind of like easy dunk. Instead, he absolutely just like put one on his head and like pushed Moses Brown, who's like a very large human being, kind of back. Um, what a what a dunk from from Jer- Jared Allen, who is incredibly forceful, always kind of pulls off some of these these big dunk feels like, but absolutely crushed a, a very big human being with this one. Yeah, it was. I I, I don't want to say a flashpoint or a condiment for this Cavs game, but it was certainly. The highlight and also indicative of just how this game is going for Cleveland versus how this game is going for Los Angeles. Like the Clippers didn't really play a true point guard in their starting lineup. Like they had Norm Powell play 16 minutes, and I guess he's your point guard in this scenario. But like the Clippers caught off the dogs pretty quick. Like uh, Ohio University's own Jason Preston led, right. was had the second most minutes for Los wait, Angeles hold, tonight. Wait, wait, just just want to say for the record. That it was not me who brought up Jason Preston, it was you, and that in itself, that was like plus 10,000 if, if our friends at FanDuel had odds on that. Continue. You roll your eyes, but you know what? It happened. He was fun. I mean, it was a small blip on an otherwise unnoteworthy game other than Jetty Osmond, but I think 
when breaking down this Jared Allen play a little bit more closely, one is just like indicative just the night the Cavs were having in general. But more than anything, I think his ankles feeling a lot better too because like he had a lot of burst in that one. He put a lot of oomph. He put a lot of relish on the stunk when he didn't actually have to. But he ripped down the rim and then took Moses Brown with him, and it was just. It was just a, it was a nasty poster. Like Jared Allen is very good at dunking the basketball. I think the Cavs having that bread and butter back pocket play of a pick and roll or a lob with Allen to the rim is just super fun and super exciting. And I think again, it's how JB Bickerstaff wants to play at the end of the day. He wants his bigs to establish dominance in the paint. And you certainly are going to do that with, you have dunks like that. Um, the, the, so I have pulled up the clip, uh, from, from the Bally Twitter feed and Jared Allen, like, like it is. We think of him as just this like lob catching guy, and that's kind of often what he is. This dunk was mm-hmm. like a two dribble, two left handed dribble. It was a post move. Yeah, like he gets the ball at the elbow, and it's like, okay, I'm gonna go. Like, there's like, and he dribbles twice and spins back into it, and then like hangs. Like this was, this was really good. This was like, I like a nine and a half out of ten in terms of in-game dunks. Maybe a nine. Is that a little high? I think a nine is fair, but I think in terms of just like on number nine and nine on, on number nine. Yeah. Yeah. And just like no. the verticality that he possesses at the end of the day is just, it's huge. Like that's, that's yeah. all it is. Um, it's huge. That's, that's all it's, it is, man. Jared Allen also pretty huge. Okay. Let's go to our stat of the night. Evan, uh, mine, Jody Osmond, three, seven to seven from three. Again, said this most threes he's ever made in a game in his career. I, just good, good for Jetty Osmond. Let's give him, let's give him some love for this performance that he had on a night that, again, I, I am struggling to find anything else that I, like they ran some good zone beaters, offenses, and stuff. Like there's little things you could look at and be like, oh, like the playbook's nice, but like I don't know, man. Like I don't know what you take away from a game where the Cavs like absolutely just mopped the floor with the Clippers, other than like good job, Jetty Osmond, you played awesome. Yeah, I mean that's all you really can say at the end of the day is just like good job, Jetty. You were phenomenal in this one, but. My stat of the night to kind of go off the inverse of it is like there was no Paul George, there was no Kawhi Leonard in this one because you're going to be lacking a lot of offensive production at the end of the day if you're the Clippers then when you're missing those two, but they are still a pretty good three-point shooting team. And I think the Cavs just like understood the assignment and defended the Clippers very well from the perimeter. But Los Angeles finished the night two of 19 from three-point range, only hitting on 10.5% of their three-point attempts. And just kind of stymieing and smothering the Clippers like that on the perimeter and just kind of making guys even like Luke Kennard, who hardly played in this one, or even Norman Powell, who only played in the first half, like just uncomfortable, like blew this game completely open. And then the Cavs are just playing fast. They're playing with a lot of energy. I think taking out a lot of the frustrations they might have had from that thunder loss on the Clippers. But again, we're a really good palate cleanser after how things went Friday night in Oklahoma City. And now you can kind of shift focus to the rest of your week with a lot of positive momentum heading into like Tuesday's game against Miami. Uh, the other. Actually, yeah, it's important. To note, there's no Kawhi, no Paul George that obviously kind of sets the stage for the Cavs to win. Evan, the, the Cavs led, a, led this 47 minutes and six seconds of a 48 minute game. That's nuts. They're just, this was not this. This game was like just kind of over this, from the kind of over pretty. Yeah, like. For context, they outscored Los Angeles 31 to 15 in the first quarter, then 33 to 19 in the second quarter. It was more than over by halftime. And I'm just like, okay, yeah. I can get comfy and start working on some stuff I need to get done. The, the other thing uh, I will just say, while watching yeah. Jetty Osmond just go off from three point range, especially in the yes. second half. 
Yes. The other thing I would just say is that we didn't even like mention him, which feels like kind of silly, honestly. And as we got into segment two, but Donovan Mitchell did return. He missed the last two games with that groin injury. Uh, JB Bakerstaff did say after the game that his minutes were going to be kind of limited, but the and he like kind of pushed back a little bit from his normal 36, 37. Ends up only playing 20, and that was also just in part because the Cavs kicked the crap out of the Clippers, and he didn't need to play the entire fourth quarter. 11 points, 5 and 9 from the field, 1 and 3, 3, 3 assists, 2 fouls, and a steal for Mitchell in his return. Uh, I kind of like Devin that, you know, after it maybe sometimes felt like he was trying to take it all in, in his first game back against the Knicks. This mm-hmm. was kind of like an ease his way back in kind of game for Mitchell's, but Absolutely. good, good for, good for the Cavs to get him back. They'll need him on Tuesday. They'll need him Thursday as they're kind of pushing up uh, into some important games here, but good to get Mitchell yeah. back. I don't, not, a, I don't Wait. really have anything to say about his performance, but good, good to see him back. We didn't even talk about the fact that Jared Allen hit a three pointer tonight too. That's what put the Cavs up 40. That, yeah. that was the thing. It was like, okay, like, Honestly, if if we if you want to like install a mercy rule when the center who has never hit a three for this team in his life hits a three and puts that team up tits puts the team up forty, I think that's when like everyone can just go home. Like everyone can just call it a night at that point. If Jared Allen's gonna do that to you and like that's like the cherry on top of the Sunday, like everyone could just go home at that point. I'm just thinking of the Dirk Nowitzki call or shut it down, let's go home. Just Jared yeah. Allen hits that three. You just hear that in the background and the game's over, but I did ask JV about that post game, and he said that was just happenstance at that point. It's not like Cavs drew up that play, but Pickerstaff no. didn't know. <laughs> no. Staff did know that Allen has been practicing his three point shot pretty much as much as he can, just like in standalone drills and just like wrapping up practice and stuff. So he's just like, "Hey, it's a matter of time before they go in, I guess." And like Chris said, his first three pointer as a Cavalier, he is now. 580 something away from catching Jetty Osmond in three pointers. So his work's cut out for him. So we'll see how it goes from here. Literally never going to have, he may not hit one again and that's okay. He doesn't need to do that. But like if he hits some of these circumstances that that's okay. All right, one more break. We're going to come back and we're going to dive into what happened in the thunder situation. And then what happened uh, and just things we're looking forward to this week. But Evan, you first have a little ad read for us. Today's episode of Locked on Cavs is brought to you by TurboTax. TurboTax experts can relieve you from the stress of taxes and file for you so you can do not taxes. You can sugarize things that are not taxes. You can unpack a moving box of not taxes. You can taste the sweet, sweet taste of not taxes. You can sing not taxes a lullaby and hope that not taxes sleeps through the night after you sing to it. Grab a saddle and ride not taxes into the sunset. With TurboTax, an expert will do your taxes from start to finish, ensuring your taxes are done right, guaranteed, so you can relax. Feels good to be done with your taxes already, doesn't it? So, with that said, go to TurboTax and don't do your taxes. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more into a TurboTax, and they offer full-service products only. Video meeting while expert does your taxes is required. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com forward slash guarantees. All right, last segment, Locked on Cavs podcast. I have a stroke when I read that cop. I think you feel like you're having a stroke every time you do ad copy, if I'm being honest with you. No, I can do... Um, What's your favorite ad read, Evan? Actually, no one cares about that. Let's move on. Cavs Thunder from Friday. Jeez. Any, look, look, no one Jeez. cares about... like Look, look, no one cares about our favorite no ad reads. No one cares about your favorite, Evan. Your favorite ad reads. I you your favorite. You could tell me your favorite cookie. You know, you could tell me your favorite kind of pizza. Your favorite ice cream flavor at Mitchell's. Mitchell sponsor the pod. Make it happen. But overrated. 
Okay, you know who's going to hurt you? My wife. My wife is going to absolutely hurt you for that take. I'm going to let her know. And uh, I, when she's... I ain't afraid of Mrs. Manning. I'm afraid Our of Our students. Huh. Huh, huh, huh. They should be afraid. Yeah, let's go to Cavs. Let's go to Cavs Hunter from Friday. Does anything from that game, Cavs lose, kind of fall apart in the fourth quarter? No Mitchell, obviously. Does anything from that game kind of feel notable to you as far as like you learned something, anything that we should kind of look back on and think, okay, I should monitor this? The Cavs are a very young and experienced team, and they still don't know quite how to win. Um, that was my biggest takeaway. Like I had mentioned either last segment or the segment prior to that, that Cleveland was up 78 to 71 at one point. It kind of felt like they had this game in the bag, like they were playing with their food a little bit, and then they tempted fate a little bit, and the Thunder went on quite the run, and the Cavs were then doing a double take, realizing, oh, crap, we're we're running behind right here. And it certainly doesn't help that Shea Gilchrist-Alexander got rolling after Isaac Okoro played really good first-half defense on him, and... That had a little bit of a trickle-down effect because you had both Jalen Williams and Jalen Williams making impact, starting lineup for the Thunder. Aaron Wiggins playing well, no relation to Andrew Wiggins. And then Josh Giddy, a known Kansas Chiefs fan, Kansas City Chiefs fan, Josh Giddy just kind of sealed the deal. Like the Thunder, we talked about this. Like this was going to be a fun game regardless. The this Thunder team's actually pretty good. Like they are flirting with a being a 500 slash team this year. And like they have a lot of fun, young, interesting talent, and they are a bit of a foil stylistically to how Cleveland plays, and you kind of saw oh, some of the quiet concerns Chris and I had about this game coming into this one, and sure, people can criticize JV playing the starters too much against Houston or whatever. I don't care. At the end of the day, Cleveland had this game within their grasps, and they just watched victory crumble away, and it was probably their most frustrating loss, I want to say, just because you're like, Okay, they got a road win without Donovan Mitchell. That's pretty impressive, just considering that context. And they they blew it. That's all you can really say. Yeah, like I I think you know in that if you have um, Mitchell, like that game probably feels a little bit different. I also I just shout out the Shea part of this. I don't really feel like I do not feel at all like what happened with Okoro defending him was at all like something that I would feel particularly like concerned about or anything. Like I thought Okoro did like honestly like a very good job kind of stay with Shea. Shea is just like so skilled at getting into the paint, using his body, using footwork, using physicality to like get off looks and make them. He got to the free throw line a ton. And then I, I felt when you got to the fourth, all of the pressure that Shea had kind of put on them the first three quarters, mm-hmm. like if you, they, it allowed him to, to kick out for easy shots for the guys and they got hot and that, that kind of doomed you. And that, that was probably very deflating. I would kind of imagine for Cleveland in that moment. Uh, and, and I tell like, you go back and look at that box score. Shea did not have like a monster fourth quarter takeover. He really kind of was the best player on the floor the first three quarters. You know, him and Darius, I thought we're going, had a really fun matchup. Yeah. And then Shea just kind of had the, the ability, like Shea, what Shea did just kind of set everything else up. The Cavs, for whatever reason, didn't just kind of get going in there. And so I, a fun game. I don't take a ton away from it. I feel pretty good about the process in some ways, but yeah, that's that. Um, Let's, Evan, let's move on to this week. Let's move sure. on to this week. Okay. Sure. Heat Tuesday, notably on Sunday, the Cavs won and the Heat lost to the Hornets. So the Cavs are now back up to two and a half up on Miami in the standings. That gives them a little mm-hmm. bit of a cushion um, above sliding into to the six seed range. And, and that that is that is positive. Ultimately, they get the Grizzlies on Thursday, who obviously the Cavs had that very kind of scatterbrained, let's say, loss in Memphis not too long ago. The Grizzlies currently just they beat the the Pacers on Sunday, but that was their first win in six games. They lost five yes. straight. They Indiana, yeah. 
Indiana had not won since January 8th. This is a, a pretty manageable twofer this week, and if you pick up both, that's good work at home if you can get it if you're Cleveland. I yeah, I think the Heat game is obviously more important just because that's a within the division, within the conference, I rather want to say, and that you want to maintain a little bit of that space between five and six and also maybe find a way to leapfrog the Nets. Like I'm looking at Brooklyn's upcoming schedule. They host the Lakers today on January thirtieth, uh at seven thirty PM. And then I don't believe they play again with the rest of uh January at that point. They do not. They play they play February first against Boston. So like there is a rare opportunity where Cleveland <clears throat> takes care of business with Miami, maintains that distance, and then say like the Nets drop one of these two upcoming games. Uh, but there's no Anthony Davis and LeBron in this game against the for the Lakers and the Nets. So maybe Wednesday against the Celtics, like there's a chance the Cavs could then leapfrog Brooklyn again and get back into that fourth seed spot. And just kind of like you said, just take care of business at home and maybe build a little bit of that positive momentum in the Eastern standings because it's just so incredibly tight, one through six or even one through seven at some point. And the Cavs now kind of have to focus on some of these games in late January, early February, prior to the All-Star break so that they're not scrambling again in April and March just to try and get to the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see how this goes, but it should be an exciting week. I mean, like, Tuesday's game against Miami is probably going to be like a defensive slog just because of the way the Heat play with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. And then you have like how the Cavs operate. But then like Thursday against Memphis, like it'll be interesting to see how the Cavs approach that game. Cause like you said, it was a frustrating loss when they played in Memphis not too long ago. But the Grizzlies have been reeling a little bit. They did reset the course a little against the Pacers on Sunday night. But this could be a prime opportunity for Cleveland to kind of just maybe rectify a bad or a frustrating loss rather. And then also just take advantage of the fact that the Grizzlies have been struggling as of late. What I'm hoping for on Tuesday, Evan, is I want like, I want Jimmy Butler to like do some like Jimmy Butler stuff and make this game uncomfortable for Cleveland. I think that would be such a good thing for them to have Jimmy Butler at the, in this game, go at the Cavs. They have to deal with him and defend him, deal with just everything that he's going to do, get to the line, be really gritty on, on both ends of the floor. I want to see the Cavs like, have to go through that. I think that would be just something a, really fun for us to watch mm-hmm. and cover and get to ask the players about. But I also just think it would be good for them to go through that kind of adversity. Like That's the kind of guy that they've obviously had some of that stuff this year. They've had some of those moments and had to get, get through the mud a little bit and, and get there. Jimmy's mm-hmm. just a Jimmy as a guy to kind of do that to you, though. In this kind of moment, I think would be a really good kind of experience for them to just see and see how they respond to it. I want to see that. I want to see Jimmy Butler come in and just absolutely try to put the screws in the calves a little bit in that game and, and see how Cleveland responds. Uh, yeah, I'm interested. It's it's the Butler aspect. I'm curious. Does he spend time like Kyle Lowry's playing better for them as well for the Heat and like. That's like just an interesting defensive pairing between just like Butler and Lowry against Garland and Mitchell, like the their foils of that. Just in the fact that like those two have the ability to kind of shut the other two down. And then you also have Adebayo too. Like, how does he handle defending Evan Mobley? How does he handle defending Jared Allen? Like, he's such an interesting multifaceted player that like when Bam Adebayo kind of had that like huge explosion in the NBA bubble, like I asked JB Bickerstaff, and that's kind of forced the Cavs to be a bit of a copycat and start playing through their bigs like that too. So. It's going to be a grind, I'd say, on Tuesday. Um, I'd probably say the same for Thursday as well against Memphis, but more high scoring is the Grizzlies at the end of the day, and there won't be a stat keeper to uh, skew things for Jaron Jackson Jr. either. But um, 
it, it's it should be a fun week, but it's more so than anything. Like Chris had noted, it's a manageable week. Cleveland, like they should not should, but they, they yeah they should be three and zero by the time we drop Friday's episode, just on this week alone, and then like that'll have an impact on the Eastern Conference standings, which we'll probably sink our teeth into more, and also. If they get a strong win against the Heat, like, hey, that's that's a pretty good place to be just because Miami, despite their flaws and their age, are still like a top dog team, like a team you definitely want to show up against. Look, you, you get another game, another add another game to your buffer there. And then here's the games after you get through Miami and, and Memphis. Here are the next five for the Cavs after that. Home against Indiana in D.C., home against Detroit in New Orleans, home against the Bulls. And then you get the Pistons at home after that before you get the Philly and the Nug- Philly and, and Nuggets uh, at the beginning of the at the end, right before the All-Star break and then right after the All-Star break. But this last stretch, Evan, before the All-Star break, after you especially have to get through these next two games is very manageable. The Cavs should be mm-hmm. looking to rip off a lot of wins in this next stretch. And if you can start it off, you beat this, you get this Clippers win, which you took care of business in the way they didn't against the Warriors a couple weeks ago. You can sweep these two at home. You go to beat Indiana on Sunday, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I, this is like a very good chance. This is an opportunity for the Cavs to really push and 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 gain some mm-hmm. ground in the East. And let's see where we should when we get to the the February thirteenth show, the day they pull the morning, the episode that'll drop the morning before they play at home against San Antonio. We should do a reflection on this stretch. Look at the numbers, look at the schedule, and talk about it. That's going to be our promise to you that we're going to do that. But let's end there. Happy Monday, everyone. Hope everyone had a good weekend. We're almost at the end of January, which is crazy. Want a great second listen today? Go check out Game to Game NBA. Every moment, every top performance, every result. Locked on Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with the local analysis that only Locked on can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Locked on NBA. That's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always, for producing this one. Back at it tomorrow. We're out of here.